Welcome to Season 2 of Your Daily Chocolate, where you'll continue to get funny stories, clean jokes, and interviews with inspiring people. You made this podcast one of the top 25% most shared podcasts globally and top 25% most followed. Nice to know that good news is appreciated, and Patty's committed to delivering the antidote to all that negativity. Like chocolate, this podcast is meant to make you feel good, and it's good for you. Enjoy. My guest today is David Matthew Barnes. He is the best-selling author of 15 novels, three collections of poetry, seven short stories, and more than 70 stage plays that have been performed in three languages in 12 countries. Five of his stage plays have actually been on Off-Off-Broadway. As a film producer, he's helped bring 15 films to the screen. And to date, he's written seven produced screenplays. That in itself could fill several podcast episodes. But today, David Matthew is joining me to talk about the Oscars. They're coming up this weekend, and I wanted him to uh, critique the nominees and maybe make a few predictions. I hope you enjoy this. David Matthew Barnes, thank you for joining me on your Daily Chocolate. So happy to have you here. Thank you so much for having me here. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, I'm excited because this weekend is the Oscars. Mm-hmm. And and you are a, a movie critic, a screenwriter, a film producer. So I think you're going to have a lot of great insights in, into what's going to happen this weekend. But let's start kind of by looking at the big picture, because the movie industry has really changed since my day. And that's making me sound really old, but it hasn't been that long that this has been happening. The, the movies that are being nominated aren't even really in the theaters. They might be on Netflix or Hulu or HBO Max or what have you. Tell me a little bit about that. And is this a good thing or a bad thing? Oh, that's a great question. I think it's a little bit of both. I think change is always good. And I think that the film industry needed to shift and change. And a lot of people in the industry point the finger at the pandemic as being catalysts that moved us from that opening night, opening Friday, going to the movie theater opening weekend, which was a cultural thing in this country. When you think about it, when a new blockbuster movie came out, I think about movies growing up when I was a kid, like Jaws and yes. and that you had to go see an opening weekend. It was an event. It was like a cultural event. And I think we've moved away from that. And I think a lot of people look to the pandemic, but honestly, this shift was happening before the pandemic because of the strength, the creative strength of all of our streaming networks. The streamers have really embraced and have become a home for a lot of original content. And I think that's where all of the award recognition is coming and being directed towards Netflix and Amazon Prime and all the different streaming studios because they have the willingness and the capability to, I don't want to say take risks because I think they definitely are taking risks, but I think they're smart strategic risks that they're taking on much more provocative or evocative or original content or niche stuff. And then the critics are embracing a lot of those as we both know. And then then the awards season happens <laughs> and, it, and then it strengthens the idea that streaming network is now a bona fide cause to be reckoned with, so to speak, in the awards circuit, award seasons, because they're creating such groundbreaking material. Not to say that the studios aren't. A24, I look to as being such an innovative studio. They've had some really great stuff, even going back to the horror film Hereditary. But um, I think that they're really, they've come to the table in a big way recently over the last few years. So it can be interesting to see 
what they do next. But it is changing, good and bad. Yes, I think the good is that we're getting a lot more content than, that that is what we might not necessarily see if we didn't have the streamers. Because as we know, studios are very particular about the projects they put out and put in movie theaters. And so yeah. I think having that streaming net, if you will, gives us the audience a lot of chances to see films that we probably wouldn't have seen otherwise. And kind of their limited audiences then, right? So only the people that have Netflix are seeing whatever comes out on Netflix or it, it, you don't yeah. have the population like you talked about earlier, go into that movie theater and having that experience together. It's very true, like that shared experience of going, all going, like when I was young, me and my friends all went to the movies on the weekends and talked yeah. about it for days after. But yeah, no, that I know. And I think that the studios were fighting that shift for a while. And I think after a while they were, I don't want to say they accepted defeat, but I think they had to accept the fact that it's expensive for families to go to the movies now for one to an actual That's movie true. theater. It's, it's not, it's, it's a financial investment, if you will, for a family of four to go yeah. see a movie on a Saturday night versus paying the five or $10 to get HBO Max and watching in the comfort of your home and you can pause it and Make yeah. your own popcorn and so forth. I sound like I'm advocating for watching movies at home. <laughs> do both, do both. But you also have a different experience. Like you, you and I were talking earlier, watching it on your screen at home is not the same as being in the massive surround sound in your face, huge screen. And, yeah, and absolutely. And there's and for certain some movies that I you just, need that. Yeah, I yeah. would only see certain films on the big screen. I also love seeing a lot of the classics on the big screen too, because yeah. they were made for the big screen. And so going and seeing Casablanca or whatever happened to Baby Jean or a movie, even The Color Purple, which I saw not too long ago on a big screen, bringing it back to the big screen kind of campaign, the different experience. It yeah. really is it's more visceral, I think, of sitting there in the theater that's in the, you're in the dark. You're having a shared experience with people you probably don't know, or maybe you do. And you know, it's just the smell of the popcorn is right? such a <laughs> sensory kind of experience when you think about it. And yeah, I think I don't want that to get lost. Right. I, yeah. I wish we had smell of vision. Oh, right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even on the podcast, then we can right? pipe in that popcorn <laughs> smell if we're talking. Oh, my gosh. So Golden Globes. Yes. Earlier in the year. Is that typically give us an insight into... What's going to happen in Oscars? I mean, best actor, best actress, best movie. Is that foretelling? Sort of a precursor, yeah. Or is it a different audience voting? Yeah, I think it used to be a lot more, oh, if you win the Golden Globe, you're going to win the Oscar. I yeah. think it was kind of more of a shoe-in type of situation. And the Golden Globes are always first. And so that's why I think they've always, everyone feels that they've set the precedent. But I feel like things are changing. I think the Golden Globes had to do a major overhaul not too long ago internally. And I think that the result of that, I don't, I don't want to say that they don't have the validity that they used to, but I feel like it's a little bit more questioned now than I think it used to be before this recognition of the need for more, of recognizing, acknowledging more diversity in performances and filmmaking which they're certainly making those attempts and those efforts now, necessarily so. But it's interesting. I think that we're looking more at like the Independent Spirit Award and the film festivals, the Austin Film Festival, even Nashville Film Festival, as Telluride, how like those films did there critically and were responded to. I think that campaign starts the minute that they're viewed at one of those high-level, high-profile film festivals. Not to say that the Golden Globes don't certainly carry 
tremendous strengths and, and they rebrand a movie after it wins nine Golden Globes and say winner of nine Golden Globes. Right. And bring a whole new audience, which I, from a marketing perspective, I get. But I feel like the Golden Globes aren't necessarily predicting the winners like they used to. So it'll be interesting to see what happens this weekend at the Oscars compared to the films and actors and actresses and directors and so forth, designers that won at the Golden Globes. Will that happen for them at the Oscars? We'll have to watch and find out for sure. Yeah. So do you have any predictions? I do. I, well, I don't know if I have predictions because that sounds like a... But I think I I have my wish list for sure. I will say let's Best Actresses is the category to watch this year, of course. It's, I was kind of a little bit sad. I don't know if that's the right word, but there, Sam Mendes made a film called Empire of Light this year that I think was only recognized in a couple categories. One, I think, was cinematography, which certainly was mm-hmm. deserving. But Olivia Coleman's performance in Empire of Light, I was really surprised that, that was shut out for the Oscars because I don't know if you've seen the film, but it's an extraordinary powerful performance that she gives. I'm a big fan of Olivia Coleman. In my mind, she can do no wrong. She continues to just perf- give great performance after great performance. So, but I do feel, with that said, with Olivia not in the running, I think it's going to be a standoff between Kate Blanchett and Michelle Yeoh for that Best Actress Award. Both of those performances are iconic at this point and for many reasons. And Both of these women have been in the industry for a long time and have a long history of stellar performance after stellar performance. And I mean, Michelle Yeoh's win would create history in the Academy because she's the first Asian American actress to be nominated. And if she won, that would really break down some barriers for and be a very inspiring moment in cinematic history for sure. So I think actually this year is the first time there are four actors or actresses being nominated. So. And you so talked about, too. yeah, you talked about diversity earlier. Mm-hmm. And I know there was a huge push in years past to recognize black actors and actresses mm-hmm. and producers and directors and such. I, you don't really hear that about the Asian population, but are, we're seeing more diversity than right. ever, right? So is that, right. you think that's still a real concerted effort or are we just, opened up and no i think no, I, that's an a- excellent question and it's it's unfortunate that it's still part of the, the discourse but it's necessary i feel like we have to continue to talk about it until the playing ground is much more level and what do i mean by that i mean that creators filmmakers storytellers are creating the content for those actors for those filmmakers for those designers that tell different stories than we've seen before from a different yeah. narrative and i think it's an incredibly important. And I feel like these nominations are so critical and essential to move us forward even more. Yes. I mean, I feel like diversity and inclusivity in general, I think is just such an important topic within filmmaking because it's really about representation. When you think about the audience, right? The audience wants to see themselves or versions of themselves in movies. And if you make them, they're going to show up and watch. (laughs) And then sometimes they're going to win awards, which is a really wonderful thing. So yeah, I mean, I, I like one hand, I'm like, gosh, it's sad that we even have to, I, that everybody should be considered for, for awards and not just those that have strong studios behind them, which is a whole nother thing. But regardless of what community they or who they identify as or as a person, I still think that representation is critical. I feel like we're, they're moving in that direction. I feel like there's a higher level of awareness in the film yeah. than there used to be. And it took us a long while to get here. 
And we already have, we still have so far to go, but I feel like we're moving in such a great, wonderful direction. And quite honestly, I think if Michelle wins this weekend, it will shift things in a way that we probably have not seen yet, which not to put pressure on Michelle, you know, (laughs) but I'm sure she's already feeling that from a million different, but it's one of those things that it, it could be a moment that's much larger than it actually is for years to come. And I really hope that happens for that for that reason, as well as acknowledging her tremendous performance in that film. So the entire, I think everyone in that cast, Jamie Lee Curtis, Ki Wong Kwan, and, and the young lady who played her daughter as well, they're all nominated, which is extraordinary. And it, rightfully so. It's a And this really, is the movie Everything Everywhere All at Once, right? Yes. Yeah, so sorry. Okay. The title, yes, yeah. absolutely, and Jamie eleven Lee nominations. Perfect. I know eleven nominations. Well deserved, well deserved. It was a really good year for films. I mean, you have the Fableman, you have Avatar, you have Elvis, you have all these All Quiet on the Western Front. I mean, you have all these films. I mean, we have like ten years worth of great movies in one year, and it'll be really interesting to see how thing how everything plays out from this weekend. So All Quiet on the Western Front. I mean, I remember that from when I was, I don't know that it was a movie. I think it was, but we were required to read it. And I had no idea it was even being remade. Yeah, I know. It was kind of quiet. It was quiet, wasn't it? But On the Western Front and Eastern Front and everywhere in between. Right. I think it, it was one of those kind of surprise things. And it's, I think, I don't know if they did a tremendous amount of marketing for that actual movie. Yeah. Don't know too much about that one, I have to be honest, but, but I'm excited for it too. And the reader in me is really excited that something that was adapted from a novel is getting that level of attention too. Yeah. And it just goes to show you how incredible source material can be. But yeah, no, I know it's so exciting to, to see something that's classic right. being reinvented in a really cool way. So that kind of brings us to, there's a couple of movies that are sequels. Yes. And we don't, don't normally see that in nominated. Yeah, maybe Top think Gun. it's The Godfather 2, which yeah. was even more critically acclaimed than the original. Yeah, it's an interesting year for a sequel. It's absolutely like Top Gun, Avatar. Avatar. So forth. Um, Do you think we're running out of original ideas or are they just really trying to capitalize on the fact that the first one was so popular? Let's try it again. <laughs> As a screenwriter, I'm going to say no. They are not another <laughs> original idea, <laughs> and all of my screenwriting friends would agree with me that we have a lot of. But I think what is safety? I think that coming out of the, or I don't know what version of the pandemic we're in. I don't know if we can say post-pandemic, <laughs> but it, whatever, all of that has shifted. And I think what they're trying to get people back to the movie theater. They're trying yeah. to do stuff that they know is going to sell those big blockbuster kind of approaches. And Top Gun did very well the first time. Avatar broke box office records the first time. So I think they're looking for that sure thing as opposed to taking risk on the newer stuff. And that's where the streamers are coming in. And they're saying original writer, writers with original scripts write this way because they have, they're in a different situation to be able to take those risks on new writers as they should. And I, yeah, but I don't think we're short on original ideas. I think what we're just short on is trust is that we need to keep, we need to keep doing we need to keep reinventing and coming up with the innovative, the everything everywhere all at once, which was an incredible original idea. So we need more of those <laughs> because they're out there. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, so we kind of got off the nominations. Let's go back. You said best actress, either Kate Blanchett, Michelle, Michelle Yeoh. What about best actor? Brendan Fraser. Oh, this was his year. This was his year. That performance in The Whale was career making. And talk about a comeback story. And he's, I mean, his, it's interesting because the films that he was known for 
back in the Encino Man and the Mummy and so forth were not exactly critical darlings of the right. But now this, he went away, did some soul searching, went through some tough times, really wasn't feeling the love from the industry in any way, and then does this extraordinary film and career best performance up to this point. And I feel like this is his year to to claim that award, as he should, quite honestly, because that performance is one of those, like, give everything that you have, heart, soul, physical, mind, body to that performance. And it's just... Yeah, uh, what a comeback. I didn't even know where he went. I know. (laughs) Okay, best movie overall. That's a tough one. I really feel like they're going to give it to everything, everywhere, all at once. But, you know, I think... I don't know. The Fablemans might pull out a surprise win for Steven Spielberg yeah. and change everything. So there are so many great films. I mean, like if you run down the list of nominations for Best Picture, these are movies that we're still going to be talking about and watching and studying in years to come. These are the films that will be in film classes point that we'll be looking at to study the aesthetics and the style and the structure and all of the great elements to them. And I think Jimmy Kimmel is back as a host. Yes. He's, Are you he happy about that? Great, yes. Yeah. I think he's funny and he's he's relatable and he's just, he's very charming. All those yeah. things you need in a great host. I do want to say, I really hope that this is the year for Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> just as a huge fan of Jamie Lee Curtis. And to be nominated after coming out of a, a film career, primarily known for horror films that don't usually get recognized the actors or the films and from the industry for whatever reason i of course angela bassett is long overdue since what slub got to do with it which in my opinion was one of the biggest snubs in oscar history she should have won that award years ago as well as Lawrence fishburne but i just you know jimmy lee is near dear to my heart being a huge fan of the halloween franchise so it would be great to see her at this point in her career be recognized well and so you are as an aside producing several horror films. If she gets recognized and is wins, I think she's probably not going to be available for your no, films. No, not price yeah. <laughs> Good for her though, right? Good for yeah. her. Let her have bigger problems. But I think everyone who works in the horror side of the industry or films just have such a high reverence for Jamie Lee Curtis and what she was able to do and what she's still able to do. She's very true to that genre and knows that it's what made her, so to speak, and brought her into the profile that she has today. But She's just an incredible person and just part of everyone in the industry. Yeah, love it. What are you excited to see on the Oscars this weekend? I just, I love the acceptance speeches. I'm a little corny like that. I just love to, I love to hear people just be in that moment of gratitude and acknowledgement and being acknowledged by their peers in the world for doing such an extraordinary job. It's not an easy thing to work in the film industry by any means. And to Do you have a favorite? Past, ex- past acceptance speech. Oh gosh, there's been so many great ones. I yeah, I feel like Patricia Arquette won one year and said some really extraordinary things about culture and society and where we mm-hmm. go next. And not everything needs to be sociopolitical necessarily. Sometimes right. you think fun to think thank your grandmother. But but I think that sometimes when you have that platform in that moment to touch on something that is needs the attention from the world. I think it's always respectable that when people are able to do that in a good way, really put a positive message. I really like is when filmmakers, designers, actors, directors take a moment to remind the young person at home watching the Oscars and watching them win the Oscar 
that if they connect or resonate with that young person in some way through representation, who they are, their career, their choices, that it's a reminder to that young person that they too should dream that big because yeah. it is certainly possible. And I feel like that's such an important part of the process too, is just that we're, they're inspirational role models to so many people, whether they want to be or not, quite honestly. But, you know, looking, being that young actor and watching somebody who looks like you and sounds like you win an award tells you this is possible for me yeah. Wednesday. And I think it just inspires the creative people of this world to work harder to tell their story. And even when you see older actors and actresses, whether they started young or not, that they can still have a career well into their 50s or 60s or 70s or Charlton Heston, 80s and 90s. That's very true. Yeah. And and for many of the people who are nominated this year, if that happens, it is a acknowledgement of older filmmakers, older actors and so forth. And their stories are just as important and relevant in their craft as well, too, that we need them. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Turning from movies a little bit, because you do so much other I wear many parts hats. of entertainment. <laughs> yes. You have said that this is the golden age of television, but tell me why. I think it's a it's another golden age of television. I think we had we've had them in the past for sure. I think of there of like I Love Lucy. Oh yeah. Groundbreaking television that has happened that is still the model of television today, surely for sitcoms. But I mean, I think about it's a little bit of content overload, let's be honest, because I think we have too many choices, but that's yes. like, how many flavors of yogurt can you possibly have at the grocery store? We have a lot of flavors of yogurt and television right now, but I feel like it's such an exciting time because you have so many stories, you have so many, so much representation, you have so many outlets of content for people to choose from, but the quality we're seeing ba- back in the day when I, back in the day, back in the day when I was growing up, <laughs> <back, laughs> Sounds like 150 years ago. Like <laughs> but, you know, film stars weren't necessarily on television or on te- in television shows. And now that's not only common, but they're producing television shows. But I think about groundbreaking shows like Abbott Elementary, like things that are just shifting the industry in such a wonderful television industry in such a wonderful way that also too, like the format has changed. Like where we've moved away. There's shows that are on like Stranger Things. It's an hour and 20 minutes, hour and a half or one episode. But you have that creative freedom to be able to break out of those boundaries that existed creatively before. So I feel like, yes, I feel like the performances, the content, the stories that we're seeing, the choices that we have, the representation, all of that is just creating this beautiful golden age of television. Television is a powerful medium right now. I mean... It's just, it's holding its own against the films in a really exciting way. And it's a great time to be a TV watcher. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We need more hours in the day, though. I can't tell you, every time I get together with friends, they're like, have you seen (laughs) White Lotus or something? I'm like, what channel is that on? Right. And they my two watch list, I don't know about yours, but my two watch list, like a hundred shows long. I'm like, when am I ever going to get to watch all of them? It's better. It's nice to ideally think I'm going to it. I know. Keep that list going. <laughs> Little, oh my gosh. Well, DM, I, it's been fun talking to you. And are you going to go to the Oscars? Or are you going to be at a watch party? What are you doing? Yeah, I am doing a watch party, but I'm not going. I, yeah, it's, I'd rather would watch from afar than actually be. I think being there would be an extraordinary experience, but I think it'd be like a sensory overload for me. Yes. But <laughs> yes, watch party, popcorn, great night of fun and entertainment. And I cannot wait. I know it has the potential to be an iconic ceremony for sure. 
Yeah. Before I let you go, I always end with rapid fire questions. So yes. are you ready? Yes. All right. What's your all-time favorite movie? Cinema Paradiso. Oh. Beautiful film. Beautiful yeah. film. Okay. Who's your favorite Oscar host? I'm going to go with Ellen DeGeneres. Ellen. I loved her. Yeah. All right. As you're writing the screenplay of your life, who's going to play you? Oh, gosh. I don't know what which would put that on. I'm going to go on a wild card and say Johnny Depp. <laughs> but she would probably never say yes to the project. But I feel like it'd be interesting to see that interpretation. That sure. would be interesting. You yeah. look so much alike. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which men's really we are. Okay. Of all of your different talents, authors, screenwriter, poet, film critic, if you could only do one for the rest of your life, which would you pick? Oh, that's so tough. It would definitely have to involve some form of storytelling. I think it would probably just be choosing that form. I love movies. I got to tell you, I feel like I would either continue to write screenplays or produce movies for the rest of my life. That's yeah. my plan to do, hopefully. So yeah, I would definitely say stay in the filmmaking in some capacity. Yeah, love it. All right. And because this is called your daily chocolate, what's your favorite kind of chocolate? Oh, I'm going to get... People are not going to like me for this because it's such a divisive answer. But don't say white chocolate. I'm going to say white chocolate. <laughs> it's my favorite. I literally like know the places to go for the best white chocolate. I seize candies. They're going <laughs> to probably send me a letter. But I just I it's uh, I mean, I'm not a dark chocolate fan at all. I know that's going to be hard for many people to hear. But and I appreciate the people who love dark chocolate. White chocolate, which I know is not technically chocolate, I'll be honest, but it's just my favorite thing in the world. Like people who want to be friends with me frankly, give me white chocolate because no, it's and my family knows this and everybody I know who you know. And thinks from seas? Yeah. Oh, that's good. I didn't even know they had white chocolate. Okay. Now, yeah, and so and often it's not just white chocolate on its own. It's some sort of confectionary yeah. meat with white chocolate, but their recipe for white chocolate, I think, is spot on second to Ghirardelli. I think Ghirardelli's got some really great white chocolate. They do the standalone white chocolate, which yeah. is stuff too. But yeah, and I'm a huge white chocolate fan too. So <laughs> not like a, it's not a minor obsession. It's pretty major. So. Oh my gosh, an addiction. Well, there are worse things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, David Matthew, for joining me. It's thank been you, fun. Patty. And it's been so much fun talking with you and hanging out with you. Yeah, and I'm going to look at the Oscars in a whole different light now having your in my mind. So I appreciate that. Thank you. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. I'm going to watch the Oscars now with a whole new perspective. And I may just actually sign up for some of these subscription services so that I can see the darn movies. Anyhow, David Matthews is really uh, entertaining to talk to, and I appreciate him joining us. As always, feel free to share this with others, especially if they're film buffs. And if you want to support the podcast, you can now do that financially as little as 99 cents a month, and that'll keep ads off of the podcast, which I really hope to be able to do. Okay, so next week, I have got a guy that's really going to inspire you. 91-year-old John Hurd. You heard me right, 91 years old. He started running at the age of 61 and has now won more than 160 gold medals in running. You're going to love this guy. So come on back and have a great week. Bye.